All right, guys, go ahead and grab a seat. Go ahead and grab a seat. I'd like to say uh, welcome to you this morning. If you're a guest with us, uh, my name is Derek. I'm one of the elders here at Tri-Cities and serve as the lead teaching campus pastor here at this location. Uh, so yeah, if this is your first time uh, visiting with us today, we're so glad uh, that you're here. We uh, at Tri-Cities, uh, we organize ourselves uh, in kind of a different thing uh, for churches in our area. We call ourselves a multi-site church, which means we are one church uh, that gathers in two different locations. And so we believe in multiplication, that the gospel is good news, that is worth the praise of everybody. And so we don't want to gather together in one location. We really do want to spread out for more people to know uh, Jesus. And so we are here at this location, uh, shared with the same direction, vision, and values as our great campus, about 25 minutes up the road. But we have freedom uh, for expression of what that looks like lived out here in this location for this city uh, to know Jesus. And so if you're a guest with us, this is a little bit different because usually right now uh, I would be up here kind of doing some prayer time or some vision casting, uh, and then we would sing some more songs, and then I preach for way too long, uh, and then we have some more songs and some offering and that sort of thing. Uh, today's going to feel a little different. We'll get to all of those things, all right, uh, but a little in a different order, okay? So for some of you guys that are just like, this is change, and I don't like it. Just bear with me. It'll be okay. Because uh, today, uh, usually, historically speaking, at our church, we reserve two Sundays out of a year uh, for what we've historically called the Connect Day. So if you've been around here any length of time, we kick off our spring and our fall semesters uh, to kind of platform our study groups and life groups. And so those are ways to really get connected. Uh, that's how discipleship uh, happens primarily here at our church. And we're going to do that. We'll talk about some ways you can get connected to those small groups. Uh, but today we want to kind of repurpose uh, our Connect Day to really be a vision day of sorts here at our Johnson City campus uh, for many reasons. But one of the reasons is God is doing um, some really, really, really neat things uh, among our faith family uh, that is Tri-Cities. I'm really excited about uh, some of the stuff that he's doing behind the scenes. He's been working the last few weeks and months, and we want to share that uh, with you. So we're going to talk about some, uh, some big picture stuff to remind you of what many of you know to be true about our faith family here. Uh, but we also want to say here's the way some of the things may look a little different uh, moving ahead into 2016. And so it's exciting stuff. Uh, so we'll try to make sure it's not just this content overload uh, for you guys. But we really do want to kind of reserve uh, today to talk some vision stuff, big picture but specifics of what this looks like for all of us uh, to be involved and to praise God for what he's doing. Uh, and all of that is happening under the umbrella of our emphasis that we're doing uh, here this month. And so if you were here last week, uh, you heard us kick off our 31-day uh, prayer journey. And so we're asking God to let this be much more than just another sermon series. All right, we're asking God to take the five weeks, uh, Sundays in January, uh, to really say, what does it mean uh, for Trosity's Baptist Church to be a praying people? Uh, and so we kicked it off last week, and so I'll invite you all, if you weren't here last week, to go back and to download that podcast on our app or on our website or on iTunes uh, and listen to that sermon. Not because it was awesome, because I preached it, I'm serious, it wasn't awesome, you'll be, you'll be very sorely depressed if you're expecting something out of it. But it does set the stage uh, for what we're doing uh, this month, and so please go back and listen to that. It sets the tone uh, for what we're asking God to do uh, in our faith family over these uh, few Weeks And kind of our launching pad into this series is this verse that we talked about last week, but throw the words up on the screen. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer. 
being watchful in prayer with thanksgiving. Another way to translate that would be be devoted to prayer. Literally, your life set aside for the purpose of prayer. And we define prayer to be uh, much more than just this set-aside, quiet time that we have alone with God in the mornings or in the evenings or whenever you do that, although that's important. We need to have that set-aside time. But what if prayer is more of this continuing steadfastly? What if prayer is literally living all of life in intimacy and relationship and fellowship with your Creator? The, the Apostle Paul would say it like this, to pray without ceasing. Every moment of my life is a platform for me to be with God and to pray to God. And we saw that modeled in the life of Jesus, right? He was constantly in sync with God the Father. And the, 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 the terror of the cross was when he was separated from the Father so that we would not have to be separated, but could be reconciled back to this intimacy with God again. That's what prayer is. And we're trying to understand what does that mean. So on Sunday mornings, for the next few weeks, we'll be talking about prayer. Next week, we'll be looking at the pattern of prayer through the Lord's Prayer. What does it mean to pray? To have that set-aside time. Like, what, what does that look like? Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. So we'll be unpacking that together uh, next week. Then the week after that is, what does it mean to pray in accordance with the Word of God? To literally have a conversation with God. These are His words. So what would it look like to not just us talking to God, but to talk to God in such a way that interacts with what He has already said in His Word? And then on the last Sunday, we'll pray that God would make us into this missionary people, to give us a heart and a, and a vision for what it looks like for us to be on mission uh, for the nations and for Johnson City to know Jesus. Uh, but also in our life groups, uh, we're asking that we would pray together in a way that's even more unique. So if you're not in a life group, you'll have a chance at the end of our service to understand what that means. Uh, but also personally. So I hope you guys have been tracking through this with us. This is our 31-day uh, prayer guide that we've um, developed. So our elders, there's topics that we want to pray together flowing from a passage of Scripture. And then many people from both campuses has written this kind of guided prayer time. So if you've not picked one of these up, they're back there at the hub. Pick one of these up on your way out and just jump into um, the day's day and just hop in with us in this journey. And let's pray together, believing God together for Him to do um, these things. Also, as a part of this, beginning this morning, uh, we have back there for sale these two resources. You can say, man, Derek, you're not preaching enough for me on Sundays. I want to go deeper into this whole idea of what does it mean to be devoted to prayer. And these are some books that really were instrumental as we've been praying through this series uh, that we want to make available to you guys uh, at cost um, back there. So one's from Tim Keller. He's a church planner, pastor uh, in New York City. It's called Prayer. And that very genius title, isn't it? Uh, I really challenge you guys to do this. This is an instant classic. He just came out with this last year. Man, one of the best books of prayer I've ever read. It is excellent 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 if you read this you go Derek's ripping him off on some of this stuff because I am my sermons a lot of this is, is being uh, inspired by this the word of God but this too okay he's smarter than me so get, get over it um, then uh, Donna Whitney he's a, a professor up at Southern Seminary where I'm an alum uh, praying the Bible this is an excellent look how short this is so if that one intimidated you like uh-uh ain't no way I'm reading that maybe this is more your speed um, and this is called Praying the Bible. And he, so he interacts around this idea of what does it mean to use God's Word as a conversation with God. It's very, very practical, very, very short, and it is just excellent. Uh, so we make those available uh, back there. The cost is back there. Miss Sherry will be there at the end of the service. Go chat with her. We'd love for you to pick 
uh, those up, to let that be kind of something your life group does together, you and your family, your roommates. Uh, we want to make those available to you. Uh, so what I want to do now is I want to pray for us because we're talking about prayers. So it seems like the right thing to do. Uh, and I want to ask God to speak uh, as we are talking about these things, what it means uh, for us to be these kind of people. So I want you to, let's do this. I want you to pray for me uh, because I need prayer. <laughs> and I'm going to pray for you because you need prayer. And we're going to do that together uh, this morning. So let's just spend a few seconds right now in the quietness of this moment to focus our heart on God. Say, God, would you speak to us today? Would we walk out of those doors in a few minutes more like you than when we came in? Let's pray that together. So, Father, we confess that our hearts are prone to wander. We feel it deep inside of who we are, that we are prone to wander away from you. And so... We have come together like this as needy kids, sons and daughters of yours and as brothers and sisters together, gathering together like this in this space to say, Lord, we are yearning for you. We're reaching out to you together like this. We're committed to being like you. We're committed to worshiping you. We're committed to your word. We want to see you move. We want to be more like you. We want to hate our sin, and we want to see you as the treasure. So God, together we come and we repent again, and we come and we ask that you would do in us, among us today, through us, as we go about our weeks, what we could never do in ourselves. God, would you please make us a desperate people who are devoted to prayer. Even now, Lord, our coming to you before we jump into talking about strategies or even open up your word, Lord, we submit and say we can't understand your word unless you make it known to us. So God, Spirit of God, illuminate scripture to us. Speak to us. And don't let the truths of your word fall on bored ears. God, don't let the truths of your word, the beauty of your gospel find our hearts calloused and i pray that our hearts are open i pray that we're leaning in to listen to your voice i pray that god for a sense of humility among our church i pray for great unity in our church as we pray for one another so lord now as we open up your word lord would you speak as we talk about what it seems to be that you're doing here in this moment in our faith family here at the Johnson City campus, God, I pray that you would unify us around not a strategy, but around you. So what we are not, will you please make us? And what we have not, will you please give us? It's in the name of Jesus that we boldly and humbly come as your kids and ask these things. Amen. So here's what we want to wrestle with today. If we're going to be a people devoted to prayer, this is what it means. Being devoted to prayer is very personal. There's an accountability that we have of you as an individual and me as an individual to be people who are devoted to prayer. But, look up here, listen. But, it is very personal. But it is not private. 
your prayer life and us walking in this humility and dependence and desperation for God to move and desperation to become more like God is, is between you and God. You can't just rely on the faith of your brothers and sisters alone. Like It has to be something that you say, I'm going to be this. I'm going to take this on myself. I'm going to be devoted. If no one else is devoted, I'm going to be devoted. But you're going to miss out on the beauty of what God's calling you into, what God's calling us into, if we do not understand this reality that as we are pursuing Jesus personally, that is very much a corporate thing. It's a family thing. We talk about this here all the time. But yes, God has, wants you to have a relationship with God, but your relationship with God is not isolated from what God is doing among His people. It's always connected to the family of God. So I just said it in my prayer, and we say it almost every week around here, is that we, because of the gospel, because of the good news of who Jesus is, because of the good news of what Jesus has done for us, it's finished, amen? I don't think y'all believe that. It is finished, amen? It's done. Like, there's nothing for us to strive to do to earn God's acceptance. We have it because of Jesus. But out of that, out of that, listen, We now have a relationship with God. You are his son and you are his daughter. But it also means this, that we are brothers and sisters together. Now, it's easy to check out for that because you hear us say it all the time. And it's a pretty simple thing. There's nothing profound about this. But if we really begin to say, all right, I'm going to look at my life. And do I really see the people that are sitting next to me right now as united? We are together. Christ has molded us together join us together in this fellowship that is deeper listen than where we happen to gather together for a couple hours on a sunday it's deeper than any kind of preferences that we may have it's deeper than any kind of uh just something that you get out of the relationship because so many times we come to church and it's consumer like i'm coming to get this and we hope that you do come and you find that this is a place that ministers deeply to you That's what being a part of a family is about. There's privileges of being a part of a family. There's a belonging. There's a connectivity to the church. But listen, it's also a responsibility. It's a privilege and a responsibility to say, I'm going to act as if I'm a brother and sister together with these people, committed together. Now, how many of you say, man, I thought a family, family's messy. My family's sitting right here. Family's messy, amen? Yeah, it is messy. It's hard to say, I'm going to be committed to you. I love you. Like, we are, we are family. That doesn't change. Like, that's what it's true about a local church as well. And I think so often we just come and we see these people and say, oh, yeah, I know that face because I see them every week. Maybe you're even taking a next step and you're in a life group together. You say, okay, I, I'm kind of hearing more about what God's doing in those people. But listen, I'm begging God. To take us past just knowing faces, maybe knowing names, maybe knowing stories, and to really be committed to one another. Brothers and sisters together. And so one of the pieces that that looks like, as we're living together as a family, one of the ways that means, it means a lot of things, but one of the most beautiful privileges that we have, and it's also one of the most hardest privileges that we have, is to pray for one another. And we're talking about prayer. Before we get to some of the specifics of like what it means to connect here, I want us to just think about what it looks like for us to be a church, to be a fam- the family of God together. And part of our devotion to one another and devotion to God will look like we are in a normal habit of praying 
for one another. Think about what that means as a privilege. Is that you and I have the privilege to say, listen, I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm committed to you. And not in just in word only. But we have this access to say, because we're committed and because we love each other, we get to go right into the presence of Almighty God. And not just in a way to ask for my needs and my wants, but the selflessness that says, I'm going to get into your world. I'm going to know your hurts. I'm going to know the idols that your heart is prone to. I'm going to know the things that are success in your life, that I can rejoice with you. And we're saying, we're going to know that so deeply. And with our words open and our knees calloused, we're going to go before the Lord and say, God, would you mold my brother? Would you give him this need? Lord, I thank you for your grace in his life and her life in this way. And that is something that will unify us together in ways that literally nothing else will. That is a beautiful reality. But listen, I want to ask a question uh, that is, uh, it may be very convicting, but let's lean into the reality of this. When is the last time you had someone voice a prayer over you? I was listening to a podcast the other day and said, when is the last time you had someone that's literally baptized you with their tears? Meaning, I'm so committed to you that I'm weeping on behalf of you. Like, I feel your hurts like my own. When's the last time you had someone do that for you? And when's the last time you had someone, um, you, you prayed over someone in that way? So you say, man, again, I'm kind of missing out. I don't really have that kind of community and relationship, and I miss it. Well, I don't have that kind of community. And we'll go back to the other end and say, yes, there's a privilege that we may be missing out on, but there's also a responsibility to say, are you entering in to people's lives that way? It's so easy to say, well, no one's doing that for me, so I'm not going to do that for anybody else. What would it look like to be so committed to God with one another that we are just a praying people and we are praying desperately and believing with one another on behalf of one another? I want to see that happen. And some of my most sweet moments in the church is when I've had men pray over me. Like There's something so special about that our life group we split up guys and girls most weeks and at the end we just all huddle up together arm in arm and we just all cry out at the same time and the girls in the living room kind of like this sounds so creepy like they're chanting like incantations or something it's really weird my neighbors probably think we're a cult or something i don't know um but we're like huddled up because the window's always open and anyway doesn't matter um and we're just praying over one another it's one of my favorite parts of the week it really is there's just something special about men to say, we're not going to be all macho. We're going to come together. And there's weeks that there's even tears. Yes, they're mostly for me, but I'm rubbing off on our guys. You know, they're starting to get there. And just praying for one another. I want everybody in this room to experience that. I really do. I want us to know what that is like to live life together in that way. So here's a couple of verses uh, to talk about this. Romans chapter 12, verse 5. Unity and diversity. Say, okay, I want that, but man, all these people are weird around here. You know, like, I want to live life that way, but it's so weird to kind of say, I'm going to get into a room or, or let somebody in my life that I don't really know. They're nothing like me. Why would I do that? Well, here's why. Here's what Paul's praying to the church at Rome. He says, so we, though many, there's many of us, many, many backgrounds, many preferences, okay, diversity. A lot of diversity in this church. We are a hodgepodge group of people, yo. All right? That's true for us. Though many are one body, I know, I'm sorry, are, are one body 
in Christ and individually members of one another. Look at that. That's what is true for us. We are many, but one. You're individually a member. You have responsibility. You have preferences. You have backgrounds. You have hurts. But we are members of one another. That is what Christ has formed. That's what it means to be a part of a church. But then you say, okay, that's true. We're one body, though many. So there's all these differences, but we're supposed to be one. That sounds like the making of disaster, right? All these different people coming together as one. And that is true. That's why Paul would also write to another church, the church at Corinth, and say this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25. That there may be no division in the body. It's almost like it's assumed. If we're going to go past being near one another and actually get connected to one another to really pray for one another that way, listen, there's going to be division. There's going to be a rubbing against one another. Iron sharpening iron. Listen, we use that and put it on coffee cups, right? Iron sharpening iron is friction. It's heat. It's painful. That's what happens in community. There's potential for you to let people in and then they hurt you. But no division in the body. Guard against that divided kind of spirit, but that the members may have the same care for one another. This mutual commitment to say, yes, this is where I'm at, but I'm also being committed to you. We are having the same care for one another. Listen, if one member suffers, you say, well, too bad. That's your, that's your problem. Is that what it says? If one member suffers, no, all suffer together. If somebody's weak, we're all weak together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. There's no comparison. There's no jealousy there. Say, so we're going to enter into your, on your lowest points. We're right there with you. And we're going to enter in on your highest points and say, we're going to celebrate with you. That's what it means to be the church. There's consistency in the commitment that we have. Because it's easy to commit when it doesn't cost anything. I would argue that's probably not even commitment. <laughs> but there's something about saying we're going to commit to each other and we're going to figure this thing out together. We're going to walk through this thing together. Another passage that I want us to wrestle with, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. So it's hard, right? We're talking about this. Life in the church is hard. Church is messy. It's not all put together. But in the context of this, he's writing the church at Ephesus, and he's talking about spiritual warfare. He's saying, hey, listen, there's an enemy, and you do not fight against one another. Remember, he says, our weapon and our warfare is not against flesh and blood. It's not, we don't fight against each other. We're fighting for one another. But sin says, no, we're going to fight against one another. And he says, no, 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 that's not what we're going to do. We're going to fight this battle and understand there's something happening here that is bigger. It's cosmic. There's a war for our souls. And Satan wants so much to cause us to be divided. So, after he talks about the armor of God that we're to put on, all these things that he says, that we, we maybe preach that another day. But verse 18, the end of this armor of God to protect against this spiritual battle. He says, praying. Praying. So don't just read that like, oh yeah, prayer. No, no, no. All, what it means to be devoted to prayer. Praying at all times in the Spirit. That's how we pray, because we, we need the Spirit to empower us to be this with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Because again, he's reminding you, you're going to do this? It's going to get hard. <laughs> So you have to keep alert with, and persevere to be committed, to keep going, to be devoted to prayer with one another. Making supplication or literally request for all the saints. This church and all churches, we pray for one another, enduring together in this battle. 
So at the bottom of that, there's a statement um, that may rub us the wrong way depending on our theological leanings. But I'm going to say it anyway because it's kind of fun, right? It's true. God chooses to work mightily when His people pray. See that? He chooses to work mightily when we pray to Him in ways. Oh, goodness. (laughs) In ways. (laughs) Throw that back up there, Ivy. In ways that He will not do when we do not pray. Let me say that again. God chooses to work mightily when His people pray in ways that He will not do when we do not pray. You say, Derek, I thought we believed that God's sovereign over all things. And we do. God's getting His glory. He's moving history. He's working to accomplish His glory and our good and our joy. He's doing that. But He's also ordained this means that says, I choose to work among my people when God's people pray. That is not devoid of this God-centered view of life. And it's not this man-centered, I'm going to name it and claim it, whatever I say God's going to do. It's neither one of those. It is this God-centered focus that says, He's told me to ask. And there's something mysterious about, yes, He's sovereign, He's doing all this stuff. And you say, well, it's going to happen anyway. But He said, the way that you are shaped to become like Jesus, and the way that I've chosen to, get, to reveal myself in the world, is when God's people, with the Word open, praying according to the Word of God, according by the Spirit of God, He says, I choose to work in ways that I will not if you do not ask. That's why James says, you do not have, Why? Because you do not ask. Ask him. And then he says, but he also corrects it and says, you don't have because you ask wrongly to consume it upon your own lust. He says, so it's not just, yeah, you need to ask, but you also need to ask in the right way. And so that's what we're trying to understand. What does that mean? But here's the reality that I want us to talk about this morning. We'll go further into that in the next couple weeks. But for now, this morning, listen, what if God, the way God chooses, wants to bless your brother and your sister? And even the way that he wants to work in your life is directly tied to our devotion to pray together, pray for one another. I could take you through many New Testament examples of the early church and Jesus and Peter and all over the place of people praying for one another and things happening. I could give you, we could go all day talking about that. But for the sake of time, I won't and give you two, uh, just some admonitions. Listen, here's, there's two sides to this. Praying for one another brings the blessing of God. It brings the blessing of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. You must, here's Paul writing this church. He's asking for their prayers. You must help us by prayer. He doesn't say, help me by coming with me to this city. He doesn't say, help me by your money. There's places and time for all of that. No, he says, help us by prayer. So that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us. Because God was going to do it anyway. No. Granted us through the prayers of many. I'm asking for your help to pray for me. And that God, I'm trusting that God's going to bless this. and Bless my life. Specifically because you prayed for it. That gets a little hard for me. I'm like, oh man, I'm wrestling here. That's what it says. But then, here's another one back in the Old Testament. Man, this is so convicting. Failure to pray for one another is sin against God. So it's much more than just saying, hey, I'm not praying for you, so I'm kind of sinning against you. Oh, that's, that's probably true. But listen to what this happened to this story here in Samuel. 
Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord. How is you sinning against the Lord? By what? Ceasing to pray for you. He's looking at this prophet and saying, if I do not pray for you, I'm sinning against my God. Man, that, that says something. So God has chosen, he's ordained that this is how he works. He will bless us as we pray for one another, and then he will also sin against him if we do not enter into this rhythm of prayer. So here's this gospel-centered perspective of this. Why do we do this? Why would we ever do this? John 17, you know that there's a whole chapter in the Bible, there's other ones, but where Jesus, it records a prayer of Jesus. And he's praying for you. And he's praying for me. So that's one reason why we pray for one another, is because Jesus prayed for us. Let's read just a port, we're jumping into the end of this, but let's just get a glimpse of what he asked. John 17, verse 20, I do not ask for these only, that means his disciples that were walking with him that day, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us today. He's praying for you and me. What does he say? That they may all be what? Say it with me. One. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He says, I'm praying for this unity. I'm praying for this community, that they'd be so united together. And one of the ways that happens is through prayer. And that through their unity and their community, listen, it is a, a platform for the gospel. That the outside world that desperately needs Jesus would look inside the church and say, listen, I don't know if I believe this Jesus stuff, but the way those people love one another, I've never seen anything like it. Like this gospel does things that nothing else in this world can do. And no one's going to be saved by our good example. They're saved by the gospel. But we want to give a platform. The way we love, the way we walk in community together has a missional component to it if we're divided it says something about the nature and character of god and if we're united it says something about the nature and character of god you say derek this is hard okay like jesus is praying for me and that's a pretty cool thought he's praying for unity but why isn't it happening why, why are we so not living this out and listen here here's another reality that we can endure in prayer for one another because jesus is still praying for us he prayed for us before he died on the cross and rose again for us. But as he's ascended right now at the, the right hand of God, ruling and reigning over all of history and will one day come to reconcile us back to him, here's what he's doing right now. You ready? Here's what he's doing right this second. Romans 8. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who makes, declares righteous. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, listen, who indeed is interceding for us. That Jesus, right now, listen, church, is praying for you. Like, you think about that. God himself is praying for your soul. He's praying for your joy. He's so committed to you becoming like him. Not only did he pray that, it's all right, good luck. But no, he's right now praying that for your heart, praying that for your soul, and Romans 8 earlier would say that the Spirit is making intercession. He's praying for you with groanings that cannot be uttered. That God the Father longs to hear from us. Jesus interceding for us right now. And that the Spirit is inside of us praying on our behalf. I mean, that is this 
beautiful cosmic approach of what it means that this makes this possible for us to really live life this way. Now, much of the New Testament is so, it gives us a model. So there's so many times in the, in the, in the New Testament where Paul is praying, he just breaks out in prayer for his church, and we can look at a lot of those. And I just want to read this over us. I'm not going to spend too much time here because I want to get toward the end uh, of this. But I want us to get an insight into one of Paul's prayers. We're going to read it quickly, make some comments, and move on. But I wanted to say, is this the way I pray for the church? Is this really the, the kind of the depth of our prayer request in life groups? So yes, God cares about parking spaces, and He cares about our sicknesses, and He cares about all the things that we ask Him for. So let's, let's be honest about those things. But there's a deeper level of what, we, what it means for us to pray together that I think we see modeled here, for example, in Ephesians 3. So let's begin reading in verse 14. Here's one of the things we should pray for one another, just as a way of an example. We pray for our souls to be strengthened. Our souls to be strengthened. That's why Paul says in verse 14 of Ephesians 3, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Listen, how many of you say, you know what, I would love for somebody to pray for my inner being to be strengthened. You may feel like your inner being is weak, Okay? I mean, I'm like, my inner being is weak. And there's something so special to say, you know what? I know you're weak. I know you have doubts. I know that you, your life's a mess. And we're not coming to, in these spaces to act like we have it all figured out. I'm praying for you to be strengthened, not just externally and for all the stuff in life, but for the, your insides, for who you really are, those questions and those doubts that no one else sees. I'm praying for you that you would be strengthened as you get a glimpse of the glory of God by the power of the Spirit of God. I'm interceding for you and I'm saying, God, strengthen their soul. Strengthen their soul. Man, that is a good prayer to pray for your church and to pray for one another. I need people to pray that for me. But not just our soul strength. He goes on and says, we pray for our hearts to be rooted in Jesus' love. So verse 17, let's keep reading. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. See, it's just this togetherness. What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So here's what he says. I'm praying for you. First, that you'll believe the gospel every day. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you constantly believe that Jesus lives inside of me. That he's changing me. Like, I want you to believe that. I want you to be so convinced of it. That it is as if Christ is dwelling in you and you are in Christ. And there's just this dynamic relationship. I'm praying that over your heart. But he's also said, I'm praying that you would understand and experience that love. He said, I'm praying that you can comprehend that that's true. I want you to have the mental capacity to know the Bible well enough that you know specific promises to claim for yourself. But then he says, listen, I pray that it goes past that you know the right things. And he says, I'm praying that you would know the love of Christ, verse 19, that surpasses knowledge. That I'm praying that the way you experience this love of Jesus actually goes past any category that you have in your mind. 
Like, I'm so aware of Jesus' love for me that I can't even understand it all. It's this balance that I'm going to pursue knowledge. I I want to understand it. But, man, we want to go so much deeper that it blows our minds how much he loves us. Yes, richness of theology and depth, but also a richness of experience of him. To hear him speak and to know that he loves you. And that assurance, that happens as we pray. For Remember, this is a guy praying that for other people. Gosh, I want that to happen so much. And here's one last thing. We pray together to trade our small hopes for God-sized dreams. So how do you see that, Derek? Well, he keeps going. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. He says, your dreams are too small. Your hopes are these teeny tiny little dreams. I'm asking that you trade in all these selfish dreams that would go to God and say, here's what I want, God. Bless my plans. Trade that in. And trade in this well, I'm going to pray and ask him for this, but I don't really think he'll do it. Like, can God really move in our city? Can God really use me? Can God really unify us together? Like, I'll pray it, but I don't know. Listen, we are praying to this God who is able to do far more exceedingly abundant above all that we could ever ask. So you can't ask too much. And if your dreams and what you're asking for is rooted in his will and in his word, Like, it's not too far-fetched. He's able to do more than anything you could ever dream up to ask him for. And that's why he says, and even more than you can even think of. That's what our God does. He says, I'm promising that if you will trust me this way, and to get over ourselves, and to really say, I'm going to desperately enter in and see God do this, he's able to do more than we can even ever even think of. I don't want to be a church that just stays in the kiddie pool. I want to go to the deep end. Like I, I want to go to the, all the depths of his love, all the heights of his love, all the width of his love. I don't want to just kind of say, hey, you know what? We're really engaged in the mission of God. You know, things are happening here. Many of your lives have been changed as a direct result from God's grace through this church. And we can just get kind of con- content, complacent, and say, you know what? It's, it's working. Uh, God, make us desperate. Say, we're content. We're going to sp- celebrate the past, all that you've done. But God, we want to see you work. And we're going to be so committed to you, so committed to one another, so committed to our city that we want to see this happen. But it's not just going to jump, get up, and go run to all that we're going to do. It's no, no, no. We fall on our knees, and we're desperate, and we're helpless. But yet we are filled up with hope and anticipation and faith that it's not about us. It's about Him. The direct correlation of our prayers has nothing to do with us. It's all about Him and His character and who He is. That's why this prayer I'm praying for our church is Psalm 115. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. I want that to be true of our church. That we say it's not about us, it's about him. That's why he says this God that's able to do far more than you can ever ask or think, he then says to him be glory. Because the result of that is not us getting glory. It's not our kingdoms being built. It's his kingdom being built. I want us to lean in with faith really trust to really be committed devoted to prayer so 
What in the world does that look like here now with us? So we're going to pray. We're praying for one another. But I just want to shift gears a little bit uh, and remind us of some things that we know to be true. And it's going to feel like a fire hydrant. So hang with me, all right? Just brace yourself. We're going to be a lot of information coming at you in a very short amount of time. Um, but here's what I want uh, us to wrestle with. Here, I want to put up our identity and our mission again. If you've been around this church any length of time, you've seen it. But I'm going to make a comment and then move. Our identity, we say it all the time, 90-second news, it ends every week with this. And so we kind of become callous to it. But really look at what it's saying. Here's who we are as a faith family. We are a redeemed community of individuals. No, we're a redeemed community of Jesus followers. Not isolated, together. On mission together. That's who we are. What are we about? What's this mission look like? Here's what the mission is. To glorify God by making disciples who make disciples in Johnson City and to every nation. That's what we do. We want to see God glorified and we want to see disciples made here and everywhere. That's what we're about. We are redeemed people, believing the gospel, we're living life together in community and we are following Jesus because what he's doing in the world is that. God is doing this in the world and we want to jump into that and we're doing that together. That's who we are. That's, that's the, the mission. But here's what I know. We cannot pray for that, and we can't really step into that if you don't even know what that means. What in the world does it mean for you? Don't even think about structures and big picture for you as an individual to do that. And I'm committed. I want so desperately for me personally to understand what that means to how to lead us, for, you, for every person in this room to be able to answer that question with laser-sharp clarity. I know exactly what it means for my life to glorify God, for my life to be a disciple of Jesus, and to make multiplying disciples of Jesus that affects this city and it ripples into the nations. I want everybody, I want you to have a plan of what that looks like. And listen, that is the mission of every single church in the city and in the world, if they are a Bible-believing New Testament church. That should be what we say. But if you're going to make Tri-Cities your home, if Tri-Cities Baptist Church, John C. Campus, is the place that you say, you know what, I'm going to covenant together. It's not going to be a place I just show up on a Sunday morning and hear some talks and go home, but I really want to jump in. I want to lean into this. What does that look like here for me? Because no matter where you go, that should be what you give your life to. But as a local church, we want to come alongside you to say, okay, if you're going to be here, we're not competing with everyone else. We're in partnership with everyone else, but we're committed to seeing this happen in your life. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. I'm not going to read this. I do not have time to. But here's what this, this says to you. He's given pastors and leaders in the church to equip you for the work of ministry. To give you the resources for the work of ministry. Ministry being this. So part of my job and your elders' jobs is to say, we want to come alongside you. Not because we sit on some ivory tower, because we're pursuing that too. But to say, we come alongside and we're going to say, I want you to be equipped to understand what that means for your life. And then the, Ephesians 4 says, but yeah, with every part in the body working properly, it makes itself grow in love. So listen, if you are, it implies if you're not operating in this, if you're not in the game of glorifying God by making disciples who make disciples here in Johnson City and to the nations, if you're not doing that in its fullness, if you're not using your spiritual gift, the scriptures implying that the body will not grow up as healthy as it could be if you were. Maybe I'd even say you're hindering the growth of everyone else. If we all are not leaning in to say, here is my part. 
I'm running in my lane. I'm not just showing up and consuming programs. I am engaging the mission of God. And so what we want to do is create programs and strategies and equip you to be able to do that effectively. To not make, make us busy doing stuff that doesn't matter and to not, not do anything where you're saying, I want to do it, but I don't know how. To find this balance of coming together to equip one another for the work of ministry and then for you to understand what that work of ministry looks like for you. And then listen, you live your life. And Ephesians 4 will say this. I invite you to read, it, read that this week. Here's the goal. Is that everybody would grow up into Christ. The goal is to become like Jesus. For you to become like Jesus. For you to become like Jesus. And you are committed to one another to say, I want to see you become like Jesus. And the people out here that aren't even in Jesus, I want to see them become in Jesus. And then grow in every way into him. Listen, that means every way. That means every aspect of your life is surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. Every aspect. There's not one area of our lives that is not coming under construction together to becoming more like Jesus. Can you say that that is your involvement here at this church? And for many of you, yes, that is true. And we want to go deeper. We want to go higher. We want to go wider to what that looks like here. So, that was a fire hydrant. Let me catch my breath. All right, I'm trying to get us out on time. There's so much that God's doing. Listen, just hang with me. Um, we want that to happen so much here. And I, I'm going to be honest, 2015 was one of the most encouraging years for me because I see progress toward this. But 2015 was one of the most frustrating years for me. As a pastor, personally, I, I, I just feel like God wants to do something. And I want to see that happen. I want to see that fully, um, really press in to all that that means here. And so we are a multi-site church. Two years ago, we launched up here. And I ain't going to go into all the details of all that's happened in the last two years. But we as elders have kind of listened to the Spirit of God as we've been praying for you, praying for the mission to advance. And here's kind of where we are as a church. That we believe in multi-site, that the vision of Tri-Cities, to make disciples who make disciples to the the earth, we want to do that. We want to go to South Johnson City to make that happen. But we also are united back to so much of what's happening at the Gray Campus. We want to see us to be, remain one church. But we are taking another step in the same direction we've been heading for the past two years, okay? Nothing's really changing in this regard because we're going to do the exact same stuff just fleshed out here. And say, what would it look like to say instead of trying to bridge these campuses together? And really, in some ways, that means a lot of us are going back to the great campus for equipping and meetings, that sort of thing. What if we take another step toward us, not pulling away from Tri-Cities, but to go deeper into the mission of Tri-Cities to say, let's flesh out that, the same stuff, but here at the Johnson City campus in ways that we haven't really done up until this point. So I've said this a lot. I hope this isn't confusing, but I'm gonna, I want to clarify it. So that means some things are not going to change. We're same same mission, still one church, two locations. But the way that it fleshes out here. So for you guys to say, man, Johnson City campus is where I'm at. I live in this city. I want to see this city engaged. Same mission of Tri-Cities, Baptist, Gray, but here. Like it's going to look a little different here. So here's some examples of that. Great liberty. So unity in vision and mission, but we have great liberty in what that, that strategy plays out for this campus. Meaning we have great freedom. We've always had freedom, but we have even more freedom to lean in and say, here's what that's going to look like here. Here's what it's going to look like here. So, a few things that I want you to put on your calendar date. And if you come to these meetings, I'll get you out of here on time. Is that a fair trade? So if you'll show up to this stuff, I don't have to tell you everything right now when you're here. All right, so if you want to go eat some lunch, come to this stuff. All right. 
bribery. Guilt is how we motivate people around here. Uh, family dinner celebration. You've heard us say, you may have heard 90 Second News talk about the family meetings. And there's four a year, and they're all at the great campus. We come together as one church. Well, one of those shifts, here's how it's going to look. We do the same family meetings. Gray's going to be meeting, but we're going to gather here at this location. Uh, I'll lead that. Some of our campus leadership will lead that, and we'll have a meal together. Amen. Glory to God. Eat together. That's awesome. Uh, so that's coming up. The next one, we'll have four throughout the year. We'll give you those dates if you come to this meeting. Um, family dinner celebration, Sunday, January 31st at 630 to 8. Y'all ain't writing that down. This means y'all ain't going to come. So I'll tell it to you again. Sunday, January 31st. 630 to 8, we'll meet here, and we're going to celebrate what God's doing. And so, so much of this strategy and change, Derek, it's not making sense to me. Come to this meeting, and we'll really lay out a pipeline and a platform for what that's going to look like. So make it a priority uh, to do that. Uh, Discover Tri-Cities is coming up on, the, on February 28th. You say, Discover Tri-Cities, I don't really want to do that. I hear about that on 9 Second News. Everybody that calls Johnson City Campus their home, even if you've been a part of the great campus for a long time, or been a part of here for a long time, we want to come to this. I'll lead that, so if our campus leadership will lead this class. It's the vision and values of our church, what it means to connect here. I want everybody there uh, at that. If you're new, that's your next step to get plugged in here. That's February 28th, right after church. We'll have lunch provided 1 to 3 o'clock. Um, those two things are coming up. You'll hear much, much more about that uh, in the coming weeks. But here's what it means to go low. That's big picture, vision casting. If you come to those things, you'll hear some of the stuff that's going on. But here's low. You've got to get connected to a community. Life group and study group. Like, you just have to. Like, you really are going to d- dive in and pray for one another. That happens in these small spaces. Life groups are meeting homes throughout our city. It's a space that we have to really lean into what God's doing um, uh, in us. And so to really ask some honest questions, if you're not in one of those groups, just the, the easiest thing you can do is take those cards and just fill it out and say, I want to join a life group. And I would love to say everybody's signing up for one, and we don't have that many groups, and we've got to figure out how to sp- split up and launch multiple groups that would be an awesome problem for me to have the next couple weeks to figure that out get connected to a community you can be connected in community in other ways but it's going to be really hard for you here if you're not in one of those small group communities and then study groups are a little different they're the teaching of god's word we go a lot deeper even than what i would do on a sunday morning they're much more discussion based now here's the three study groups that begin next week y'all listening i hope y'all are connecting to these uh, spiritual disciplines so you say i don't know how to read my bible I don't know how to pray. I want to know how to share my faith. I want to know how to be generous. Well, we're going to teach a study group on those things to really be connected in that. So Larry Durham, he's one of our elders here. He's back in the kids' hall right now teaching our kids. Um, he'll be teaching that along with many of other people in this room. It's kind of a teen teaching approach. You won't just hear from one person every week. It'll be many people. Please sign up for that. It'll be happening at 9.30 here um, on Sunday mornings. So we start at 11, 9.30, that begins. That also means all of our next-gen programming. So we have stuff for preschool, elementary, middle school, and high school happening at 9.30 while that study group is going on. So please take a part of that. Please come be a part of that. Then on Wednesday night, uh, Melissa Durham, she's up here leading worship with us earlier. She's going to be teaching a study group on the book of Philippians for women. So come on on Wednesday nights, be a part of that study group. Um, Some of you ladies, it'd be a great way to meet some other people in this church. Please be take a part in that. Our college ministry kickoffs coming at the end of the month. We'll hear more information about that. Jeremy Bledsoe, the bald-headed guy uh, you see up here a lot, he leads our college ministry. They'll have a big kickoff. And then on Tuesday nights, there's a life group and study group for college students that meets here. They'll be going through the book of Acts for the study group portion this year. I'm really excited about all that God's doing among our college students. A lot of stuff going on. And I know it's just a lot of information. I have pages more of notes that I could go through to tell you all that God's doing, but I won't. Just pray. 
God's doing something here. Pray. Lean in to what he's doing. And, and be involved. If you don't come to these things, like you're not going to know what's going on. So we're trying to create platforms, not to meet for the sake of meeting, but to say literally, what does it mean to come together, to equip one another, to be disciple makers, and to live life uh, together? So please let this be a matter of prayer. In many ways, doing the exact same things, but in other ways, we're going to be building a lot more structures of what that looks like at this location uh, to really be more effective in what we've been trying to do for the last two years. All right, so here's what I want to do. I want to invite the team to come on up. And we're going to end our corporate gathering this, this morning um, in prayer. So prayer and community, we've been saying that. Uh, but we want to read a, a passage of Scripture aloud um, and then pray those things together. You say, Derek, oh my gosh, really, you just talk that long and now you're going to make me pray and we'll fall asleep. So it's what it means to be devoted to prayer. Like, God, don't let us just check out in this space. Like, to really call out to God. Because we can have all the strategies, we can have all the structures, we can have all the plans in the world. And if God does not move, if he does not breathe on this, then we're meeting in vain. And so we want to do this together. So Psalm 67, uh, I'd like for everybody to get your Bibles and turn with me. Psalm 67, if you don't have a Bible, there's one underneath your seat. If you'd rather, it's up on the screen. Psalm 67, we're going to read this out loud. Uh, together and this is going to be a catalyst for us to to pray uh, these things over our church psalm 67 the words are on the screen if you're not there yet let's read this out loud together everybody together now may god be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us Selah, so that your way may be known on earth your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear. And so we want to take that first phrase. You'll put verse 1 back up there, Ivy. May God be gracious to us and bless us. And so this is a new song. It's called Glorious Grace. Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you. And Lord, you are worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. And so this is a prayer. God, pour out your grace. May God be gracious to us and bless us. So God, we need your grace. Not based upon what we've done, but based upon your grace. Would we experience more of your grace in 2016 than ever before? So this team, in a posture of prayer, as you read these words, stay seated. um, Sing it out if you can pick up on it. But this is our prayer. We sing this song as a prayer together uh, this morning.